we're, but we're in the book of 1 John, chapter 5. We're just going to be going through the first five verses this morning and drawing some lessons as we get closer to Christmas. I guess I want to ask you, sisters, are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, I hear some yells, and I can tell we're getting ready around our place pretty quickly. Uh, tomorrow morning, some of the children come in, a few more come later, and I know all of us are expecting a really good time. And yet, as I looked in this passage, I began to see uh, a message that we can all take and apply, which is overcoming the world, and really, you might even be able to title, entitle it, Getting Ready for Christmas. As we overcome the world through Jesus, and we want to see this, this tremendous truth of the Bible to get today, Lord willing, next Sunday, I want to I take some of, the, of the, the Christmas cards that were written in the Old Testament regarding Jesus before Jesus ever came. I want us to get this picture of how big of a promise and how far-reaching the scope was and so we'll step back from 1 John next week and look at this great panorama that we won't even begin to be in touch of all the places the Lord was saying, I'm coming again, I'm sending my son, and I love you. And I really, really love you, and I'm coming for you. But let's read this together. 1 John chapter 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. And this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We end this reading here with how do we overcome? How do we become an overcomer? By him who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 1 beginning, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This is where it starts. A lot of times as we've looked at some of these great truths of John, we go back to the source of God. But today we go back to the source of believing. It isn't passive. It isn't abstract. It's very definitive. It's very purposeful. And as we look at the word believe in definition, it is whoever has faith, whoever trusts, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I love the first two words here when it says whoever believes. Because the gospel doesn't leave anybody out. It picks up the corners of Surprise, Arizona. It picks up the gutters of Phoenix, Arizona. It picks up the homeless that have no place to be this Christmas. And when the Lord says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now we want to get today to the place in which we are overcomers through him. This is what determines whether this Christmas is good. We are overcomers. But first we're looking at some prerequisites to overcoming. 
we see the prerequisite here of belief, which is exceedingly active. I jotted down just in meditation, believing is the war of the soul for the soul within the soul. There, in believing, it isn't we just happen to believe. We don't get up in the morning and say, I guess I'm just going to believe. It is a purposeful decision on the part of God's children that, Lord, I'm going to believe in you. I'm going, to, I'm going to see you above everything else. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, one of the great passages of faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hope for. We could put now belief is the assurance. Very compact, very close together. Little different applications somewhat, but now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You notice what happens with belief? You're looking in hope for the future. The conviction of things not seen. Belief is believing or having faith that even though I can't see it, it's there. I may not be able to understand it. I may not be able to explain it. But the conviction of things not seen and without faith, it is impossible to please him. As we enter into this area of belief, it is so important that we recognize that it's not just one of the ingredients of a Christian's life. Look at the magnitude through which Paul is teaching the importance of this 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 within our life without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to god must believe that he is so we're saying what is belief it's coming to god and saying god i believe you are you're god i'm not god how many times in one week does god bring his children to the place in which that little trigger of belief sets in, and we say, Lord, you're under, you've got it, but I don't, but I'm going to trust you because I have, I have a conviction of the things not seen that's before. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and notice this, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What God is waiting to do is pour out his blessings on those who believe in him. The rewarder is, is the gifts that he can give in so many ways. He can just pour into our lives. But he wants us to say, Lord, you're God. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to trust you. I may not understand it. I may not be able to explain it. It may not even make sense, but Lord, I believe. And I'm going to trust you. Hebrews 11 and 6. I guess we already picked up that one. That without faith, it's impossible to please him. It is such, a, it's su such a, an important foundational truth. And as we're looking at overcoming today, we're recognizing how important it is to first believe. Just believe God. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have faith that you are God and I'm not. You've got this and I don't have it. And you are complete in every way, and I am going to trust you. Belief, just jotted this down, just in prayer, is seeing him as he is. I see you, Lord, as God. Confessing him as our Savior. Lord, I confess that your son, Jesus Christ, came in the world to die for my sins, and he is my Savior. 
And here's another important part of belief. Seeing ourselves as a sinner in need of a Savior and repenting of our sin. Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need your sufficiency. And this is all a part of that place we come and we say, Lord, I believe. I have no idea how many people have walked up in front of this building and just simply said, I believe. The first time I've ever believed. They've met out in the foyer. They've caught us in our homes. They've caught us on the streets. We've heard it all, all over. But belief is so important because it triggers the very actions of God toward us. And it also triggers our responses to God. We're not going to live the Christian life without faith in God. Without that inner faith and trust that he is completely sufficient. We can't make it. There's too many things that come up in too many ways. John 37 and 38, Jesus was speaking and it says, now at the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Notice the promise of Jesus with me. First off, he says, you know why you'll come to me and drink? Because you're thirsty. We'll never want God unless we hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't know if you have been there in your lives that God will take me here often. That, that hunger must come back. It will come because of drought. It will come because of trial. It will come because of things I did not understand. But that hunger has got to come back in our heart for God. And Jesus here says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And then he says, I want you to drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost will flow rivers of living water. Think about this in light of where we're going this morning in the message. When you believe in God, things happen. Lives are changed, not just our lives. There's an overflowing that comes from our life because we chose to believe in God. We chose to believe in his sufficiency and God just brings out these rivers of living water in so many ways. Recently around the church, we got all new doors. There's over one, I didn't know it till then, we've got over 100 new doors. And we, we, it was quite a journey. It might have taken us about 10 days to get all these keys keyed for those doors and we think we've got them we've got them all done and we would walk up to a door and it would not work the key wasn't the right key or the the lock wasn't the right lock but the day finally came that they said everything is done every single door in the place has been rekeyed and then they gave me this one key and they said it will open every door except two they didn't tell me which two it was but they said <laughs> except two but I just noticed you go and you take that key and it just opens the door. And there's been doors I've walked in I never walked in before in this church. All because they gave me the right key. When we're speaking about belief in God, he gives you the key to open the door. It's a guarantee by faith. 
but we're going to see how far this goes because the word of God reaches out. And as we speak about belief, so often we, it's like, well, I crawl in my belief chair and yeah, yeah, I believe. No, it's, it's exceedingly active. And we will see as we look further into this that belief is this tremendous part of everything we are involved in. Even the word of God says in, in, uh, in heaven or in hell, guess who will be there? The unbelieving. The difference between heaven and hell is belief. But belief, there's that which accompanies belief. And we're going to witness this just like we have other places in the book of John. He who believes that Jesus is the Christ, verse 1, is born of God. Whoever does, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Whoever loves God loves his kids. We looked at that last week. When we love God, we love his children. If we don't love God, we don't love his children. And here, as we are looking at this together, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Loving the children of God is one of the fruits or offsprings, offshoots of believing. It's just a part of believing. You believe in God, you see his sufficiency, you trust in him, you're going to love his kids. You're just going to love them doesn't mean you aren't stretched to love them. Some of us will be stretched at Christmas time. Someone will come over. We'll go to someone's house, and there will be that stretch. And I don't have to define that anymore. It's just that part. But the Word of God says we'll love whoever loves. When we love the children of God, we know we love God. We love God, we love his kids. And if you notice with me as we go into the second verse, we'll read the first, the end of the first, whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. When you love God, you love his kids. By this we know we love the children of God. We know this because we love God and observe his commandments. If you wonder how you can know you're a believer, just keep reading this. One verse. We love God, we keep his commandments, and we love God's kids. Because we love God, we love his kids. It's going to just be one of those true blue offshoots. There's, there's a piece of fruit right now that's being developed, and if you are going into the grocery stores or watching the news, you're beginning to read about it like I am. I've never tasted it yet. It's the Cosmic Crisp Apple. To be frank, as an apple grower, it almost seems too, too good to be true. They say it, 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 it can sit in your refrigerator for a year. It doesn't decompose. You can cut it down the middle. It won't discolor. They'll say it is so fruitful and such blessed thing. One little secret with this apple, it costs $5 a pound right now. That's pretty high for those of you who buy apples. For the guy that has them, that's a really good deal right now. But one of the things about the Cosmic Crisp Apple, it's, it's one of these things that when you have been there, you begin to say, is it too good to be true? And again and again and again, it is proved that it does become too good to be true. How many too good to be trues have you looked at in your life? It's no different than if we just get the right president. If we just get this, 
But the cosmic crisp apple still is just ringing with this truth. Now, when we speak about God and belief in God and what comes, the first thought in an unbeliever's heart, it's just too good to be true. I don't believe that. It can't be. Matter of fact, a couple days ago, a brother texted me. He just got off the plane up in Seattle going back to see his kids. And he says, guess what? I just ate my first cosmic crisp apple, and it's fantastic. And I texted him back, and you said you ate one ahead of me. And I didn't know about it. I know about it, but I don't know. But the Word of God says this again and again and again. It's not too good to be true in Jesus. When you love him, you'll love his kids. He'll give you the power to love them. He'll give you the power to forgive them. And as we look at this, this truth here, we see this as that which is so important. Colossi, or 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. We're looking at this too-good-to-be-true thing. Love never fails. you got to be kidding. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, get this, that could be capitalized, the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Love doesn't fail. Love practiced, flowing, because we believe is never too good to be true. It never fails, he says. He doesn't, he doesn't put, well, yes, but, you know, if, if I had that situation. We've been there, we all have, but we come back to this one truth, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Colossians 3 and 14, another one of those verses on love. Paul has been writing about putting on and putting off to the Colossian brethren. And he says, beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. The very perfect bond of unity, Paul says, put on love. Most of you are aware of this, that heat expands. And when the Holy Spirit is working within the human heart and the love of God is in the heart, love expands. It just starts stretching to places that we never thought God would even take us. He'll put us in places we did not want to go because love expands. You know what's amazing today? As you go down the railroad tracks of America, like the transcontinental rail that's right up here along Interstate 40, that is continuous rail. At one time, there were lengths of track that was along the rail. But over the course of years, through amazing engineering, they have brought that rail together and fused it together through two chemical formulations with heat in such a way that you go over that track today, you never hear the clack anymore. The click, clack, clack, clack is gone because there has been a fluid fusing together that God gave men by giving them this one little product to bring together and create this heat at that one joint that you don't feel the joint anymore. When God works and we believe and the Holy Spirit comes in and love flows and love expands, there's no joint. Love is fluid. 
love reaches right across the, the aisle that's in this church. It reaches down the road. It reaches that one person that we may not want to get with, but that's what love does in the most amazing ways. We're still coming to this one truth we want to leave today, that whoever is born of God is an overcomer. We want to get there. We have looked at belief, we've looked at love, but if you look, look a little further with me, in, verse, in the second verse, John uses something else in companion with love. By this we know, again, notice his affirmative statement that we love the children of God when we love God, we believe in God, and observe his commandments. It's just like two identical twins walking side by side, love and observing his commandments, walking with Jesus Looking at his word, saying, God, what your word says I want to do. If I'm missing something, open, open my eyes, Lord. If there's some place I'm overlooking in the word of God, call me to that, Lord. If I'm reading the Bible this morning and, I, and I'm reading a couple of chapters, God, show me in your word what your heart is, and I want to follow it. This is the fruit of believing. It's an amazing fruit as it begins to work. Out of belief comes love, but out of belief comes something else, and that is obeying the commandments of God. Verse 3, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I love that. What he's really saying there is his commandments are reachable. It's not for the most uh, well-known. Sometimes we think, you know, someone else could do that, but I could never do it. The commandments of God are touchable. They're reachable. They're embraceable. They're ab we're able to keep them because of God. It's not, he's not telling us to swim across the Pacific Ocean. He's not telling us to climb, climb Mount, Mount Everest. He's telling us to believe in him with all of our heart. And as he begins to move, follow him where he wants us to go. Some of you are going to some pretty interesting and amazing places at Christmas and you don't know how to love there. Is that, I don't know what to do in that situation. It's, it's just a big mess. And the Lord is saying, just keep, just follow me, keep loving. That is one of my great commandments. We have been looking at that. That commandment, the Lord, love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Acts 5, 31 and 32. Here, here comes a message, I believe, by Peter when it says, He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You see what comes? God just... We don't earn the Holy Spirit, but when we love God, when we believe in God, the Spirit of God flows into our heart. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus, and God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. There's no greater gift that we can possess in this life than the Holy Spirit. We can't get any stronger than what the Lord does in the Holy Spirit. But if we don't, but if we don't receive the Holy Spirit, 
We can't even believe. So God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him, but he also asks us to walk with him so we can see Jesus more perfectly. Here's another verse to look at, Hebrews 5 and 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. This was Jesus. He was a son. And being made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the author of eternal salvation. But notice who was learning the lesson. He was a son, and he learned obedience. Do you notice how obedience is learned here within the context of that one verse by the things that he suffered? A lot of times we don't learn until we suffer. We get it in knowledge, but it doesn't quite get to our heart. It never quite connects until we suffer. Jesus too. Jesus too. That's why he is such a merciful and faithful high priest. You know, sometimes when I look at this, it says his commandments are not burdensome. And for a moment we think about this and we think, you know, uh, you know, I understand this, but, you know, this gets pretty big pretty quick. And you, have you ever noticed you can sit around at Christmas and just observe the children if they're in your setting, and the little children are going to teach you something about following Jesus? Just a simple faith. Just the heart of a child. Jesus, I believe. I want to follow you. Matter of fact, I jotted down uh, four just short letters little children sent their pastors. Pastors get letters. Really, pastors probably don't get as many letters as most people think, but pastors get letters. And this little girl wrote this. Oh, this little boy wrote this. Dear pastor, I would love to go to, like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. <laughs> Stephen 8, Chicago. Some of you are going to Chicago. You told me. Here's another one. What's so amazing is the transparency of the heart of a child, and yet that faith is so pure and simple, but their heart just opens up. Here's the next one. Dear pastor, I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. <laughs> You're sincerely Arnold in Nashville. Here's another one. Dear pastor, I hope to go to heaven someday, but later rather than sooner. Love, Ellen from Athens, Georgia. And one more here, dear pastor, how does God know the good people from the bad people? Do you tell him or does he read about it in the newspaper? <laughs> sincerely, sincerely, Marie, nine in Lewiston. A lot of times believing that Jesus is the Christ is, is simple when we look to little children. Have you ever had a little child teach you what belief was? Now we're going further. We're, we've seen love. We have, we're, we have seen obedience coming from belief. But the heart of a child often will express in the most amazing way what belief is. It just comes in, in, in crazy ways. You kind of go, you got to be kidding, Lord. I got this from, I can remember when Deb and I was in India our first time, and we would go out in these poor little villages with Vincana, the brother we support, and these little children were so dirty. And they were so poor. And we have a family here who could raise so much with us today. And when they crawl in your lap and they smile, they tug your heart because they love you without strings. And this is who God is. 
And that's what he asks us to do as we believe. But let's take this a little further. I want to read this beginning down to verse 4 again. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. But we come really to the point that I want to linger on today to leave you with as such a great, great truth of the word of God as we look in verse 4. For whatever is born of God, we could probably say there, whoever is born of God, whatever is born of God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now this just doesn't speak about just existing. It doesn't mean by about just getting by. It's not even speaking about just waiting till Jesus comes. It's speaking about an overcoming faith today that's triumphing in Christ, that's going over the top, that's believing against everything else that the world might want to say that God is able, and I am going to trust that completely. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Remember, faith, belief, side by side. Paul's, uh, John is writing saying, when you get to this place and you see the overcoming power of God and it is, he is working within you, it is because you have seen God. And that faith within your heart is keeping you going. And you're saying, God, I'm going to believe. I am going to trust you. And because of that, you overcome the world. That doesn't mean we're out of the world. John even, John, Jesus, John recorded Jesus' prayer when he said, I don't want you to take them out of the world. I want you to keep them from the evil of the world. But what he's saying is, but when they're in the world, Jesus prayed, keep me in them. I want to be in them. An overcomer is in the world with Jesus within his power, his dominance, his control, that overcomer. It didn't just happen. We saw, we saw Jesus and we said, Jesus, I believe. But the word of God says it beautifully. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And, but, and this is the victory. Notice what overcoming is. It's the victory. For many years, there was a time that the word victory was used so often in Christian messages. The victory, victory. And sometimes that, well, maybe we're, maybe we're getting this thing a little lopsided. But when you look at overcoming the world, you've got the victory. God's already gave us the victory. We don't have to sit here and wonder. We don't have to doubt we don't have to throw up our hands in despair. You have been given the victory through Jesus. And it is in faith in Jesus Christ. We can overcome uh, even in practice much less than ideal circumstances. You know what God does? We, a lot of times we're like, Lord, if, if I, I, I'm sure I could be an overcomer. Many times in a place like America, we live for the day that the circumstances will be just right, and then we can overcome. God gives us the grace to overcome today. He says, believe it. He gives us the power to overcome now. 
believe it. Believe that Jesus is the Christ. Let my love flow through you. Walk where I tell you to walk. Do what I want you to do. And there is this beautiful aroma that begins to flow from the Christian's life that's overcoming. Some of you are going to have perfume given at Christmas, cologne at Christmas. There's nothing like the overcoming aroma of Jesus flooding from the soul and heart of a child of God who is embraced by the love of God and they see his greatness and his richness. There's nothing like it. The overcoming power of God is so abundant. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma. There's that perfume of the knowledge of him in every place. Notice that with me, in every place. Maybe I told this story before, but one time we were leaving a, a, a doctor, a, a Chinese national and his wife up in a, a city called Xianyang, China, telling him goodbye, and he was going home for the Chinese New Year. They don't practice Christmas in China. They don't believe in Jesus. His name was Ricky, and he said, could you pray for us? I have a real burden, and this is in a persecuted, suffering part of the world. And we said, Ricky, how can we pray? And we'd work together for a few days. And Ricky says, I go home. My wife and I go home tomorrow for the Chinese New Year for three weeks to people that don't believe whatsoever. And what they, their practice is doing, because we believe, is they take our food and they put it on the floor and ask us to eat the food like a dog. And I said, Ricky, how would you like us to pray for you? Pray that we can love. Just pray that we can love. Really, I think what R Ricky was saying is when I, when I go back to my parents' place, I want to be an overcomer. I want to be riding high on the power and the strength of God. I want to feel his grace. I want to know he's with me. I want to understand his fullness, and then it'll be okay. Verse 5, the Lord, the Lord through John isn't letting go of this one, this area of overcoming. We have been looking a lot at love in the Bible from all different angles, but we're coming to one of the end results of loving. Loving Jesus and loving others is overcoming. You can do the mathematics for those of you that are math, math guys here. You could put it together different women, you, you math women, whoever you are, you can do the math. But when you overcome, you can about rest assured somewhere God has put his love in your heart that wasn't even possible for you to have apart from his spirit within you. Who is the one who overcomes the world? It's a question John asks as we come to the end of the message. But he who believes that Jesus the son of God. You notice what John has done? He has went back to belief again. He ends with overcoming, but it's like this big circle. You know how you overcome the world? By believing that Jesus is the son of God. And when you do, you overcome. You overcome all those doubts, those feelings, those inward emotions that take you from Jesus. You overcome because you see Jesus as this great one who is a great overcomer in every way. You know, the little word overcomer is interesting. It's a conqueror. It's a prevailer. 
It's, it's the person who keeps on going in spite of. It is that, that area. It's a victor, one who claims the victory through Jesus. And when John says, the one who overcomes the world is he who believes, he says the secret, don't ever forget that, is start with belief in God. Go back there. I have noticed this in Christian ministry. I've noticed it in personal examination that when I'm struggling in some area of the world, I'm also struggling with belief. Oh, I could quote it all to you. I could give you the verses. But I am not seeing the Lord as the King of kings and Lord of the lords like he desires. He is not on the throne of my heart like he wants to be. You know, years ago, I, I learned a little secret, and I share this secret with you. Too many people think what the pastor is preaching, he's already mastered, and that's a big lie. It's right where they're at. Every time. You only rise because God has given you the strength and the power and the word of God has given you that resource again to rise up again and walk and to be the overcomer. And when the word of God says this, I just love how he says it. The one who overcomes is the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Revelation 12 and 11, I'm just going to give you a couple verses as we sign off today with you. But one of them is right in eternity, in heaven itself, the word of God says they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of the, of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. These were martyrs who give their life, who probably go through the tribulation. And the word of God says, but notice how they, they overcame. They overcame him, the devil, Satan, the Antichrist, because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. I want us to get that because it's so important. The word of our testimony, the declaration that Jesus is alive, that he's, he's living today is so important that we, we share in Christ with other people. The word of our testimony, I overcome because of Jesus. It isn't because I went to school. It isn't because I'm a pastor. It's not because of a connection. I overcome because of the Lord and only because of him. Here's one more precious verse. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Linger on that with me just a moment. God hands it out and he says, that victory is my great gift to you. It's really possible that right here in this sanctuary this morning, someone will receive the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and there will be no gift we'll ever receive or give at Christmas that equals it. There's nothing like it. When we can discover the victory in Jesus Christ, which gives us the power to overcome and walk with him regardless of the circumstances and to trust him and to say, Lord, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe no matter what everyone uh, might say, but overcoming is a result of the gift given through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we believe the one who overcame, the one who overcame, whose name was Jesus. When we believe the one who overcome and say, Lord, I'm going to believe we can overcome right now. 
right in the sanctuary. You see, it's not walking back out in the street and turn, getting in the car and turning the key. It's just simply an act of, Lord, I'm going to believe it. That very area the enemy has been bombarded me. By your grace, I'm going to overcome through the blood of the Lamb. No matter what, I'm going to believe you're sufficient and you're able and God is able completely. Completely. This is what he teaches in the Word of God. And as we just referenced, the verse, heaven's going to be full, full of over overcomers. They're the whosoever wills, who chose to surrender. Have you ever thought that real freedom is always found in the confines of surrender? When we're really set free, something has happened. We have surrendered. There's been a battle. Sometimes there's been a war. Another little secret, I'm not ready to preach until I surrender. I'm not ready. Until I have laid down this flesh completely to God and said, God, you take this message, you take this truth, I'm not ready to preach. And neither are you. But something happens in surrender. Right before that time, there's restriction, there's heaviness, there's darkness. But in surrender, there is a release. And all of a sudden, for the first time, for maybe a long time, you realize, God, you've got this. I never knew you were always carrying the weight anyway. I was trying to help you out, God. But you've got it. And freedom comes, real freedom in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. You know, you, someone might say here, what does surrender really mean? Maybe we think that's just like, like the general walking up to the opposing army with the truce flag and saying, I surrender. Oh, yes, it's partly. But there's a greater truth in that. Surrender is really just very simple. It's confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. But with that, something happens. We admit and confess we are a sinner and we are in our flesh dwells no good thing. You know, I used to think, well, surely you can do that once or twice and get away from it the rest. No, you come back to a place of surrender because for God to freely flow in our life, he wants all glory, all praise, and all power. He wants everything from us. He holds nothing back. We confess that we are a sinner and then we say, Lord, I believe in you. You, the object of my faith, the one who sent your son that will commemorate in just 10 days, I believe in you. And that your son came and died for my sins. And I confess you, I repent of my sins, and I confess you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And you're just right there to overcome. Well, are we ready for Christmas? As we overcome through Jesus Christ, yes, we're ready for Christmas. We see a different picture of Christmas. Everything's different. It's all about him. It's not about if the house got every little thing done. It's not if all the food was perfect. It's about Jesus. 
It's all about him and what he has done, what he is doing. But there's something else when we get ready for Christmas. As an overcomer, we have a wonderful gift to share with a lot of people who we don't even know we're going to come in contact with. Because the joy on your heart, out of your heart, the smile on your face, the love that comes in your heart is a gift that is worthy to be shared at Christmas time that can exceed every single gift you'll ever be able to purchase for anyone. And all you're saying is, I've overcame, and you can too. Some of you have asked, how was it with you and Deb last week in Salinas, California? with Debbie's sister. And I'll just tell you, we didn't know what to say. You know what we did? We prayed. And I had a little vial of oil that Debbie had brought and gave it to me. And we just put a little cross over my sister-in-law, my dying sister-in-law's forehead and talked about that cross and the power of that cross. And I began to sense the overcoming presence of God rising up in that room with her dear brother who is an atheist his whole life standing there with tears coming down his cheeks. I don't know what God is going to do. And you don't either. But I do know this, that when we give God our life and we trust him completely, we're an overcomer. And God will give us the grace to enjoy not only this Christmas, but bring joy to a whole lot of other people because he lives in us and he gives us the power to overcome. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know where life has you right now. I know someone here has never came to that place of confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. You know, who the, you know who you are? I don't know. God knows. This is the place to begin that walk of overcoming. The walk of learning to love, the, lo the walk of learning to follow Jesus wherever he wants us to go. And as we take that step and another step and another step, we're going to have brothers and sisters shortly that will be up here after prayer. We'll say, we want you to overcome. And if you've slipped in that walk of overcoming, and someone has here, the enemy's a great baiter of the hook. He, gets, he tries just like the fisherman. He tries to get us to bite the bait. The bait of diversion. The bait of, of uh, getting involved in something that's really not ours to get involved in. The, the debate of trying to figure out everything. If, if that's you, today's the day to say, Lord, I want to be an overcomer. I really too. Because you're an amazing God and you overcame through your son. So we can overcome because of him. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for your uh, amazing grace. Your love that knows no limits and your grace that knows no measure and your power that knows no boundary. But out of your ri infinite riches and glory, you give and give and give again. Oh, Lord. May we be overcomers through your great love. Give us that grace, Lord, to see you again as a King of kings and Lord of lords and to confess you, confess you within our hearts, confess you out of, our, our, out of here, 
confess you wherever we are and never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To follow you, Lord, where you want us to go. God, if you want us to have someone in our home this Christmas that we're missing, I pray that you'll, you'll bring it to us. Just And help us to, when we get that name, that person, that place, help us to respond back out. If you want us to speak to someone, possibly yet in one of the stores, I pray, God, that you will just open our hearts. Because as overcomers through you, Jesus, you don't waste that grace. You don't waste that love. And yet, Lord, if for the one person that's here that has not overcame, who has not yet even found that grace, who has not yet seen your overcoming power as you came into the world as a babe and you gave your life and you triumphed over every adversary, Lord, today I pray that they could come. They could come right up here and say, Lord, that's me. It's much simpler than we can ever imagine it can be. Lord, that's me. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Have your way, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.